Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and I'm joined by an amazing guest today. His name is Colin Campbell-Austin. Colin, welcome to the show. Hi, Toby. Thanks for having me. So, um, Colin, you and I met a few years ago uh, at Channel 4 when I used to go in and do some coaching with managers there. And we've since worked out that our, our paths may well have crossed even before then when we both worked for British Airways. So can you tell me a bit more about your career background and um, how you got into your your current role? Okay. So from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to um, travel and I wanted to experience different cultures. And I remember seeing an advert um, for British Caledonian on the TV um, and saying to my mum, oh, this is what I want to do. And the adverts had a female cabin crew lined up on the steps of an aircraft and the passengers were singing, I wish they could all be Caledonian girls. And my mum said, you know, don't be silly. You can't do that. You know, that's a job for girls, Caledonian girls. And I remember thinking, that's not fair. And it's the first time that I remember thinking, gosh, I'm excluded from something and I'm, I'm not able to do that. Anyway, I stuck in my guns and got a job uh, as cabin crew uh, with British Airways. And I absolutely loved it. A few years later, what I realized was what I loved more about the job, um, apart from the travel, uh, was actually meeting people from all over the world, from all different walks of life. I realized that people operate within bands and I could I quickly identify this within seconds. What I also realized is there's no problem around people that, that can't be solved. As long as you connect with them, talk to them, listen to them, there isn't anything that you can't do to make somebody happy. I've always been really good at reading people, um, and I think that's due to my upbringing. You know, I'm, I'm mixed race, so I knew from a very young age that I was um, different. And I felt that I had to read people and understand people and adapt my behaviour to suit um, different people. I also knew that I was gay from a very young age, but I didn't really know what being gay meant. On TV, you know, gay men, um, or presumably gay men, were they were funny, they were loud, they were outrageous, they were witty. And I, I wasn't really like that, and nor did I want to be like that. So through media, growing up, I wasn't quite sure how I fitted in or, or where my place was. So I chose my friends carefully, and when it came to my career, I selected companies deliberately where I felt that I could just be me. And I felt that connecting with people um, during those interviews and asking them the relevant questions was really important. At British Airways, I had an amazing manager, uh, Diana, and she asked me to apply for cabin crew manager. I got the role and was given a team of 450 people at Gatwick. After about 11 years, I got to that point where I felt that I wanted to do something different and I wanted to move on. And media sprung to mind straight away. And the reason that sprung to mind was because growing up, you know, TV, I never saw myself reflected in that. And it really affected my early career. So I wanted to move into into media so that I could help um, change that. And I got a job at uh, Channel 4 where we met. 
While I was there, I was responsible for learning and development and running entry-level programs of fresh talent. And I really loved it because it was all about people. Inclusion and diversity, I feel, comes quite naturally to me. And what I realized really quickly was that if you interweave that into recruitment, learning and development, um, inclusion and diversity, it all goes hand in hand. An opportunity came up for me to join the Telegraph Media Group, and I jumped at this. I absolutely loved being at Channel 4, but I wasn't sure whether I was being driven by the values of the channel, because Channel 4 is all about um, diversity um, and that different voice or that alternative voice. And the Telegraph wasn't known for diversity. So it was a challenge that I really wanted to take on. Brilliant. Um, So let's go back to your time at BA. When you got promoted uh, to be a team leader, you developed this thing called the the Talent Garden. Can you tell me a bit more about what the Talent Garden is? Yeah. Uh, So when I was given my uh, team, they were actually considered to be the worst performing team in the business. Not having having done anything like this before, I decided that I'd take the same approach as I did on board the aircraft and that I would go out and meet all of them and connect with them. Um, and I referred to my team as my as my talent garden. I had my sunflowers, um, the obvious talent uh, that would reach for the stars, and just given a bit of nurturing, they would get there. What I quickly realised was at the bottom I had my weeds that I really, really did need to deal with because if I didn't deal with those weeds, they would actually bring the sunflowers down eventually. But my biggest surprise was my flowers um, in the middle, the huge band of people that that came into work, did their job and went home. Being cabin crew, they're a remote workforce, and they didn't feel that they were really part of anything. They didn't feel they were, in, were included. So I really focused my efforts um, on this group of people and tried to create an environment where people felt that they were included, that they were all working towards a common goal, and how actually their role supported the company and everybody in it. To my surprise, I found that I had a huge amount of hidden talent uh, within that team. And just giving them that extra support and being there for them meant that they could do really well. And and that was the the biggest surprise for me uh, when I did that role. Subsequently, we went from being the worst performing team in the business to the top performing or one of the top performing. We were definitely the top performing team at Gatwick. And I think I did this by understanding the individuals in my team treating them as individuals and connecting with them. Yes, I had policies and I had frameworks that I needed to work within, but I found that by being flexible with those and really treating people as as an individual, you could help them in ways that I, I couldn't have done before. And by helping them made them feel that they were part of something and you know they want to then give back, which is good for them and it's good for the business. Brilliant. I mean, so a lot of the work that you've been doing includes diversity and inclusion. What do you think of the use of the word diversity in organisations? Um, I don't like the word uh, in the workplace. I feel you know diversity. The word itself means um, different. But when you say diversity to people, they automatically think of you know strands of diversity, and people feel excluded. So I try to use the word as little as possible. I think that the, the good word to use is inclusion because the word inclusion straight away is about everybody it's about everyone being included and and working towards that that common goal um so i believe that diversity it creates divides and it creates barriers and it does exclude a lot of people 
Yeah, because I, I do an introduction to diversity and inclusion course, which I call Diversity Includes Everybody. Um, and one thing I, I cover is, is that actually everyone is diverse because I talk to some of my clients and I've got white, middle-aged, straight men who say to me, you know, I just don't feel like I'm included and somebody else in the business is going to overtake me. And I just I just think that's really sad and disappointing because diversity does include everybody. It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, nobody should feel excluded from anything. You know, the, yeah. the fact is, it doesn't matter what your upbringing is or what your background is or who you are. We're all different and we all bring something to the table, which is why I feel that the word inclusion is, is just a much nicer word to, to, word to use because automatically people feel that they have a voice, which is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of businesses have employee resource groups or diversity networks. So what do you think the role of these networks are in organisations? I feel that a lot of companies um, set up these groups because then they can use in their advertising and they can say, you know, we're a diverse company because we have an LGBT group. You know, do I want to be in a group because I'm black? Do I want to join a group because I'm I'm gay? No, I don't. Um, being black and being gay is who I am. I'd much prefer to join a group of people that have the same passions and interests as me. And you know, by joining a group like that, you're going to meet different people with different experiences from different backgrounds, and you can learn from each other. But what's going to connect you is is that that passion for for something other than who you are. Who you are is, is who you are. If you're going to connect with someone, surely it's about what you both like and, and, and what makes you both happy. And regardless of your background, if you have the same interests, there's already a connection there. Absolutely. I believe that these groups are, I think they're good in the sense if they're very, very focused, if they're focused around, you know, uh, recruitment, etc. there's a pure purpose for it, then I do think they work. But for a lot of companies, I'd also say, you know, do your employees actually even want these groups? A lot of them are just set up because it's about ticking that box. But actually, um, I fail to see how that breaks down any barriers and brings people together. It creates more, you know, ex- exclusion. And yeah, do they actually really want it? That, that's the question. Yeah, I think, these networks are important in terms of creating safe spaces for certain individuals. So when I was at the BBC, I used to run the BBC Ability uh, Network for disabled staff. And I think it, it did play an important role in, in being a voice for disabled employees, tackling some of the issues that disabled employees were facing. So when we were opening up a new office, looking at the accessibility of that office, for example, looking at the uh, career trajectory of disabled employees. However, I do think it's really important that we, we bring in allies as well to, you know, so that we, we support one another in, a, in, a, in an inclusive way. Well, see, that, that group that you set up there, you know, it had a, it had a pure focus, it, it had a goal. And I, I think if you have those, then, the, then they work. Um, but it, it's when they're just set up for the sake, you know, the sake of ticking that box and saying that we're a diverse company. Where does that really go? It doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't achieve anything. As long as you've got those focuses like you did around opening up new spaces and how this, um, you know, will affect a, a person with disability working within that environment. You know, that's where they should be focused on that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, this has been a large part of your career, hasn't it, in terms of implementing sustainable change in organisations like um, Channel 4 and The Telegraph. So what are your top tips for the person listening to this interview on how you can implement 
sustainable change around inclusivity for an organization? Well, the first thing I'd say to anybody that um, wants to create an environment that's, that feels, you know, inclusive is ask your people what they actually want, you know, survey them. We, you know, you and I could sit in a room and we could spend all day talking about what we think the business actually wants. But are we correct? No. The people that know what they want are the people that work in that business. So survey them, see what it is they actually want. Then say pick two or three. Um, of the top things that are that people feel need to improve or change and then you need to work on those and implement them really quickly Um, when you do that people will then feel that a they were listened to uh, b you've taken on board what they've said and you've taken action and once you've done that you're creating an environment that's becoming more um, inclusive and you can build on that creating that type of environment should look at every stage of the employee life cycle and it's about how you improve it and and build on it it takes at least three years to get this off the ground it takes a lot of time and a lot of investment but it doesn't stop there once it's all up and running you know you've got to adapt and you've got to change the people in the business going to change what do the new people want that are coming into the business and the business itself will change and what's its new direction and what does it need so it's continually working on it and improving uh, the environment so that people feel that they can be who they want to be at work. You know, if you can achieve that, it improves pro- productivity, um, your products, your services improve, you know, you get a better customer base, a wider range of customers, because you're creating an environment where people feel that they can input, feel that they're part of something, and feel that they can really change the course and, and direction of, of that business for the better. Brilliant. So this is the Inclusive Growth Show, and I'm interested in understanding what you think inclusive growth is, uh, particularly based on your previous experience of working at British Airways Channel 4 and The Telegraph. And for those organisations, what what does inclusive growth actually resemble? So for The Telegraph, um, you know, inclusive growth is, is around its readership. So if you have, um, so let's take Stella Magazine, for instance. Stella Magazine are going to do an article uh, about a, a cup. If you've got um, journalists uh, working for that magazine that come from all different walks of life and different backgrounds, you know, you may have someone there that grew up in a village in the north of England where that factory supports that village or that town. Suddenly you've got more of a story there because, yes, you can talk about how great the cup is and how pretty it looks. But then there's also that story there behind it about how that business is actually supporting a whole community um, and how buying that cup um, you know, and it being British made and and supporting that community that you're actually putting something back in when you buy it. So the stories become much richer. If you've got more input from people from different backgrounds, then it's going to appeal to more people, which then brings you a, a larger readership. So for Telegraph, it's definitely around you know its readership and appealing to a wider range of people as possible. Channel 4 similar in the sense that it's about its, its viewers. Um, if you think back to you know me being younger, I didn't see myself represented on TV. I saw you know an advert for British Caledonian that made me feel that I loved the advert and it was great and I wanted to work for them. But that advert made my mum feel that I could not apply for that role because it, it talked about girls a lot. So for Channel Four, it's it's all about people being represented, people seeing themselves on screen, and then of course you increase your your viewership because you're appealing to a much wider uh, range of people 
For uh, British Airways, obviously, it's around their their passengers and their customers. Um, and you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. When you meet people from different cultures, different backgrounds, we're actually all the same. Our needs and worries may be slightly different, but we're all people and we're all really similar. But if you understand that what may not be important to me is important to somebody else because it's part of their culture and that by you solving that issue or dealing with it and making them happy, it's going to have a huge impact on how they feel flying British Airways, how they see British Airways and also how they see you. And it's going to improve your your quality of, of work life because you're going to be happier because you're you're able to understand and, and deal with issues. So inclusive growth for an airline will mean that it will attract more more passengers from all over the world. But those passengers will feel comfortable and they'll want to fly a British Airways because they 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 feel that they're being treated as an individual and that the cultural differences are being taken into account. Thank you, Colin. And thanks. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, it's been really enlightening, as always, to, to catch up with you. Um, so if the person listening to this episode wants to continue the conversation with you, um, how, what, how's the best way of getting in touch with you? So I'm on LinkedIn and uh, my profile is set that anybody can send me a message. So if anyone wants to ask me any questions, you know, please feel free uh, to drop me a line and I'll get back to you. and We can have that one on one conversation. Excellent. Well, Colin, thank you ever so much for joining me on uh, today's episode. And thank you for tuning in to this episode with Colin. And I really look forward to, to seeing you on the next episode that's coming up shortly. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.